A reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. As I watched, thrones were set up, and the Ancient One took his throne. His clothing was bright as snow, and the hair on his head as white as wool. His throne was flames of fire with wheels of burning fire. A surging stream of fire flowed out from where he sat. Thousands upon thousands were ministering to him, and myriads upon myriads attended him. The court was convened, and the books were opened. As the visions during the night continued, I saw one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. When he reached the ancient one and was presented before him, the one like a son of man received dominion, glory, and kingship. All peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not be taken away. His kingship shall not be destroyed. Verbum Domini.
A reading from the second letter of St. Peter. Beloved, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that unique declaration came to him from the majestic glory. This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. Moreover, we possess the prophetic message that is altogether reliable. You will do well to be attentive to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Verbum Domini. Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. 
Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came forth a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. Verbum Domini. The human eye is drawn to light. It's something that automatically happens from morning until night. We are drawn to light. Our eyes need to adjust to light. When a child is brought into this world, a child's eyes need to adjust to light. A child is not simply born with its eyes wide open, but gradually the child's eyes are opened because of the intensity of light. So there is something about light that we are drawn to. Even in the darkness of night, we are drawn to the light of the stars that shine down upon us, that seem so far away. The own, our own sun, which is 93 million miles away, is intense. And if we look at the sun directly, we risk our eyes being damaged. But yet there is something that draws us to light. The transfiguration of the Lord, his manifestation of his glory, of his divinity, would have been so much more intense than the brilliance of our sun, which is 93 million miles away. He is the Son of God the S-O-N, Son of God, the eternal Word made flesh. When God created the universe, when he created the world, when he said, fiat lux, let there be light. Darkness was separated from light. 
So there is something intrinsic with creation and also grace in the order of grace that we are drawn to light. Light pervades the darkness. Light always conquers darkness. This is one of the events where the Father manifests the identity of his Son. Besides the baptism of our Lord in the Jordan, when the voice of the Father is heard, for this is my beloved Son, to whom I am well pleased. Transfiguration of the Lord is another event where the Lord's identity is made known, is made manifest. And the apostles, Peter, James, and John, are witnesses to this on the mountain. And this took place in the context of prayer. Whenever Jesus goes up into the mountain to pray, it's, you could say it's a prayer event. Jesus manifests himself in the context of prayer. But also in the context of a conversation. He's conversing with Moses and Elijah, two of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. Why? Because these men spoke of him. When we read the prophets, most especially Moses and Elijah, they can only be interpreted correctly in light of the eternal Son, the Word made flesh, the splendor of the Father. So when the prophets are read, when the book of Deuteronomy is read, the eternal Word is speaking. Even though in the context of salvation history, the eternal word, when he was not made manifest in the flesh, he was still speaking. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are still speaking and active. It's the eternal word who speaks. The Father speaks one word, as John of the Cross says. And it's his eternal word, made flesh. John of the Cross would even say that the Father only even speaks one word, and that's Jesus, the eternal word. And everything is contained in that word. And the Father doesn't need to say anything else. 
Jesus manifests the Father. In the context of our life of baptism and the life of grace, sanctifying grace is given to us in baptism and in the sacraments. And this is how we participate as Christians in the life of grace, in the transfigured life, is through the sacraments and baptism, confirmation, Holy Communion, the sacraments of service, which are the sacraments of vocation, sacrament of matrimony, the sacrament of holy odors, sacraments of healing, the anointing of the sick, which the recipient receives a share in what it means to suffer with Christ. And in the sacrament of penance and reconciliation that gives us grace, charity, and even when we've lost grace, please God know by mortal sin, when we've lost sanctifying grace, the sacrament of penance and reconciliation restores us and brings light, brings grace. The image of the transfiguration is also an image of the consecrated life. Now, every Christian is called to holiness, to the heights of charity, to live the life of faith, hope, and charity, to live the virtues, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord, the Beatitudes, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, every Christian. But those who choose by vow the life of poverty, chastity, and obedience, this life is in more so, you can say, the transfigured life. This is our goal, the transfigured life. And this is why we are set apart from the world. This is why we choose willingly voluntary poverty. It's why we choose willingly to sacrifice the good of married life, of children, of family, to open up our hearts and to make room for God most of all, but for to make room for the world. And this is why we choose voluntary obedience, most of, all to most of all to listen not so much to the voice inside of our own head, but listen to his voice, the voice of Jesus.
echoing in his church and echoing in our religious life. This is the life that we have chosen, the life of sanctification, the life of attempting to climb that Mount, Mount Tabor. Jesus appears to Peter, James, and John and gives them this message right before he goes into Jerusalem where they will experience the scandal of the cross. Ultimately, so that we may, in our own lives of consecration, whether it be in baptism, all of us who are baptized, and those of us who choose the consecration of the evangelical councils, so that we might have that light in the midst of suffering. Because it will be suffering that is before the resurrection. It's before Christ's glory of the cross. There's no true light, no true resurrection unless one enters into deeply the cross in one's life and to embrace that cross. And within that, St. John Paul II says, within embracing one's cross, the Lord gives glimmers of the resurrection, not the brightness of the eternal glory that we will see in eternity, but we see glimmers glimmers of hope of the life of faith that we live in witnessing to Christ in this life and God willing in the world to come.